Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. In this episode, we visit with Holly Hughes, intuitive healer and author of Real Not Perfect, How to Become Your Happy, Authentic Self, a guide for the lost, for healing past wounds, and breaking free from limiting beliefs. Holly is an intuitive healer with a lifetime of experiences overcoming loss, trauma, and regaining self-worth and power. Using personal healing stories, guided meditations, mindfulness, and her own intuitive gifts, Real Not Perfect provides a step-by-step process to regain your voice. Clinical psychotherapist Danielle Bocree called the book informative, motivating, and validating. It's the absolute best combination of a warm, fuzzy blanket in front of a fireplace and that perky little cheerleader we all knew in high school. You will love how easy it makes being actionable with its workbook feature and how its meditations feel like they're customized for you. I plan on incorporating some of it in my private practice as a clinical psychotherapist. This is a must-have for everyone's bookshelf. My name is Landis Wade, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here with us today. You can find out more about me at my author website, LandisWade.com, and I'd love to have you visit. For all things related to the podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find a lot of great resources there. We have show notes of every episode with pictures of the authors, photographs of their book covers, links to their websites and social media, and more. And we have the community blog there. It's a collection of readerly and writerly content provided by writers in the community and authors who've been on the show. And you can sign up for the book report at our website, charlottereaderspodcast.com. We send it out every two weeks. It's free. We don't spam you. That takes way too much time. We just keep you updated on what's going on with the podcast, provide a dose of inspiration, provide some free content from time to time, some links and other fun stuff related to the uh, reading and writing world. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a collection of author-hosted podcasts putting out uh, this kind of content to a worldwide audience. And you can find us pretty much anywhere you like to listen to your podcast. You can also check out our Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. This is a place where we provide exclusive content uh, for our supporters. For just a few dollars a month, we provide access to exclusive audio interviews between me and authors who have appeared on the show where they share their wisdom about uh, writing and the business of writing. It's a great way to get a good education if you're a lifelong learner like I am. But enough with this prologue. Let's meet today's author. Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to speaking with you. First of all, you have like the best voice and you should be on radio. <laughs> like I just, I could listen to you all day long. Just read a menu. Just go ahead and read it. I'll relax. Maybe I need to put you in my book. I need to take some of the land is Wade magic and put it in the book. Uh, it reminds me of a story when I was in New Jersey arguing a case one time. The judge said, Mr. Wade, we don't have all day. If you would please speed it up a little bit. <laughs> so I decided I'm going to try most of my cases in the South. Yeah. Uh, anyway, congratulations on the book. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's yeah. Yeah. A dream. It's, yeah, it is. And um, so 
you say that some knowledge of energy healing, mindfulness, and chakras is helpful for the readers that come into this. And while I've heard those terms before, I'd like to just, you know, very briefly, just give us a little bit about each, you know, what you think about energy healing, mindfulness, and chakras. Yeah, um, I think that um, for me, energy healing isn't limited to whatever your religious background is. Like for me, it's all encompassing. You can have different views of that, but healing energy, infinite love doesn't care if you are a Catholic or Jewish or a Protestant or Muslim or any of that. Um, it really is just connecting to the source love. I like to explain it as, you know, when you pray and you want some information, energy healing is kind of an answer to that in a, an immediate sense in a way that maybe some people aren't used to, but it really just makes you feel warm, seen, and validated. And chakras are energy centers um, in the body. Most people who do yoga um, know about them. In the body, there are seven, um, and they're the colors of the rainbow moving from the base of your body up through the top of your head. Um, and we can go really dive deep into it. But I really also like to say, even if you don't fully understand it, it doesn't mean that I'm not seeing it or feeling it for you. And then I can help educate you wherever you are in the process. If you're just beginning to explore, or if you're, you know, someone who's been doing it for years, we can meet where you are and make it a safe um, and nice process for you. Yeah. Well, I, I did take yoga at one time. It was the hardest thing I ever did when I <laughs> when I said, I don't think that's a sport. My wife said, well, come on out and let's try it. And, and I could hardly walk after I did it. But uh, I remember them talking about chakras and that kind of thing. Um, all right. So intuitive healer, um, you talk about having spiritual gifts. You talk about these things called clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, claircognizance, and clairgustance. Uh, yes, that's the one I yeah. can never say either. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so strange. <laughs> Yeah. What, what does that, what does that mean? Being able to see and feel things that maybe uh, mm. the rest, the rest of us humans don't or what? Yeah. I've learned not to read people who interview me. So I promise I won't do that to you while we talk, <laughs> but basically it means I can see, hear and feel things um, when I'm working with someone and often when I'm not, but I, I don't, I'm not like Teresa Caputo and I don't start yammering at people at the grocery store. That's just not nice. Um, I'm not getting paid for that. The, so basically, if someone comes to me, a lot of times people don't have the words for their feelings. They just know something's off or they're like in a heightened emotional state. And so when you're near me, um, what I will feel or if we're on the phone or I'm looking at you, something, I can just start feeling all of the stuff that's going on in your body. And then it's almost like someone's narrating a dream in my mind. I'll see images and I'll hear things. And those are also from your guides. Guides can be angels, people who have passed, you know, it can be like all sorts of things that depending on how into the woo-woo you are, I can go there. Um, I don't all like always getting caught up on who's showing up because people get caught up in the the uniqueness of that instead of the healing part. And I'm really interested in the healing part. So yeah, I'll just start getting aches and pains in my body. I'll get headaches. I'll get, I'll know things. I'll just know them. Things I can't possibly know. Um, I'm not a psychic. Like I can't, I don't know lottery numbers. If I knew the market was going to boom, like, you know, I'm not like that. It really has to do with helping someone feel better about themselves and be able to operate and achieve 
whatever it is that they want. I don't have an invested notion of what you should want. I just want to help support you as a person. Mm. Well, I had this thought I was going to ask it later. I'll just ask it now because with the pandemic, you know, mm. uh, you, you had to deal with folks over Zoom or whatever. Uh, I got the sense reading the book that you sort of have to be in the same space with people to pick it up. Can, so can you pick up things just over Zoom here talking? I mean, oh, know. yeah. I mean, I could read you easy, but I'm like, <laughs> I would, I would say I could, I have always done phone sessions and sometimes yeah. I prefer them because when people do Zoom, they like to, be a certain way and they'll be in a room that's perfect. Some people will try to control the situation and then I'll pick up on that energy and be like, you're trying to hide. You came to me for help. Don't hide. So it really is the moment I tune in and I ask permission and you give it for me to read you, then I can just start going there. Well, yeah. we better not. We better not do that. On <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> the, the listeners may never come back. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's, so, um, when did you discover Holly that you had these uh, intuitive gifts? So I've always had them. I didn't know that everyone else didn't because it was my normal. When I was young, I was so afraid of the dark. Because I could see and feel things that I didn't understand that, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, what's that? I had an antique chair in my bedroom because my grandparents had a lot of antiques and they would just share them. So luckily, and there was a rose in the back of the the carving and at night it was faces. Every night it was different faces. And I had the biggest pile of clothes on that chair all the time trying to cover it. I had a voice that spoke to me um, to help me in my fear of the dark every night. And when I was 12, he told me that he wasn't going to come anymore when I called for him, that it was time for him to move on and let go. And I was like, oh my gosh. Then he, then that happened and he went away. Um, I really understood that I had special gifts when I got sick and I had to have surgery and um, I had to have a hysterectomy and that's an energy center. That's your second chakra. And when I woke up, the world was quiet because literally it had been removed. And I was like, I didn't realize how much I was always receiving. And then I kind of had to rewire myself um, and heal. And then I got all my abilities back even more powerfully. Uh, this question just occurred to me. Uh, you got a lot of friends, I assume. Do your friends sometimes say, now, Holly, we're just going to go out and have a drink. Don't read me, please. Yeah. I'm, I have, I'm very good with boundaries. Actually, when I first opened my office, a lot of people would just start walking next to me at the gym, right? Like this, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm here for me. I'm not here for you. If you could pay for, you know, like this is my work. It's like whatever. So I am very good at not doing that and being silly. And I actually want that space to be a person, right? Like I want to be snarky or silly or, or whatever. I'm here to be a person, not to always be. So we'll, we'll, yeah. Well, so I don't know if you're reading this, but I'm a recovering trial lawyer. Lawyers question everything, you know, I imagine, you know, this is the skepticism part of the discussion. Oh, go for here. it. I imagine that you have, you know, lawyers are probably your worst clients if they're clients at all. They're not. But, it's oh, they're not? Okay. okay. <laughs> well, what do you say to those folks who can't get their head around the idea, uh, some of the ideas in this book that, uh, mm. that that you can feel what they feel? And I think one of your people, there's an example here where they tested you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the banana guy. Yeah. I had a man come in. So I see all genders, all ethnicities. I, I have, I feel really fortunate that 
that I have that, that makes me tear up that, um, that I have that kind of clientele younger teen. I've had teens whose parents have brought them in. I've had every, everything. Um, but this one gentleman came in and he showed up cross armed. I'm like, why are you coming? If you don't really want to be here, right? Like, it's kind of funny. And no matter what he said, yeah, he was like that. No matter what he said, all I saw in my head was bananas. So I was like, all right. You know, sometimes I see things that I don't understand them. I'm trying to relate your message. Right. Um, and I was like, uh, so all I see is bananas. What's that about? And he's like, I told myself if you were for real, you would say banana. I was like, well, you glad. Um, if I don't think I'm a fit for you when I get your, like, you know, when you first contact me, most likely I'll tell you I'm not a fit. Sometimes people ask me a lot of questions trying to get a free reading before they show up. Um, I'm happy to make you feel comfortable. And if you're not, then, you know, find someone else. I'm like, that's, that's a possibility. I think, um, you know, the feeling when you get a really good hug, Right. Mm -hmm. So like I would, I would say intuitive healing would help you like, like that. It's really when a therapy has failed you and you just, something's just not right. Like, so my husband calls me his witch. Um, we used to do party tricks, right? Well, we'd be out and I would say things or, um, before I had total control over my gifts, um, dead people would show up when I went drinking which would really kind of kill the mood for me, right? So, you know, like, I just want a glass of wine, please go away. So I really had to learn to hone in my skill and really put clear energetic boundaries around me so that I could be a person and have fun and be silly and just be a friend instead of always receiving these messages because they can be overwhelming, especially with the pandemic. When everyone was getting sick and all the fear and all of that, I'm also an empath, which means I can feel other people's emotions. So all that fear and pain, I just, it literally knocked me out for like a month. I could hardly do anything. Yeah, we're going to talk about fear uh, when you do your reading in just a little bit. But before we get there, uh, Holly, you've written other books. You've written YA fiction, you've written mm-hmm. essays, you got uh, some awards for that kind of thing. But now you've you know, written this nonfiction book. I just want to tell the listeners that when we're done here, we're going to jump over to Patreon uh, and talk about self-publishing the self-help book. And uh, we're mm-hmm. going to kind of dive deeper into that. But uh, I'm just curious about whether or not uh, your gifts here that you talk about are a, a hindrance or a help to you uh, when writing a book. Ooh, I love that question. Um, well, it's the only way I know how to write. So I will say that they're a help. I think uh, for every writer, you know, those days where the ideas are just flooding right? And you're like, oh, I know how I'm going to tackle this. Or um, I get a little narcoleptic when I'm working on plot, like for my fiction work. Um, And I like to nap. I'm a big believer of naps. But I have a notebook always next to me. See, here's one. Um, And as I'm falling asleep, I believe that is the space similar to being in the woo-woo vibe. And that's when ideas always come, right? You think of, oh, now if you don't write them down, you know you don't remember them when you wake up. Because I think that's a little divine gift. Sometimes I cannot read what I write because I'm writing half asleep and sideways and then I get really frustrated or I don't think the idea is awesome when I wake up. But I think that is a space of um, getting a little help, a little insight. Mm. Now, Holly, you, you talked about this, uh, you know, th- seeing 
Uh, well, you mentioned dead people a minute ago, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. This, of some... this lawyer is like, what do I do with that? This is I know. Awesome. It's like well, I'm thinking that's a great movie for Netflix. I think there was one about that some one time I saw. But uh, in any event, um, in your regular day, uh, now are, are these? Uh, you mentioned angels potentially before. Are these relatives? Are these people that have been uh, special to either you or the people that uh, you know you're associating with? Is that is that the kind of images you're seeing? Oh, that, I love how li- how logical you come about this. Yeah, I love that. It's a, I, no, no, it's okay because um, my father's an engineer and I have a very scientific <laughs> mind. So you're fine. You're very yeah. fine. Um, you know, like if you looked at me when I was growing up and said, Holly girl, this is what's going to happen in your life. <laughs> and, and you're going to end up doing, I would have looked at you like you're a nutter. Right. So I know that it's out of the box and I embrace that. I think for me, my gifts got to a place where I had so many and I could feel so much that how could I not help someone? Right. So it's not, um, there's not a set way information comes. It's not a specific to, um, Like I don't have, Hey, I have angel Gabriel and Archangel Michael, and then there's Josephiel. And then I like to say they don't speak English. So sometimes I can't like the names are really hard for me. I can give the beginning of a sound. Um, I can tell you, I angels are a separate entity than people who have passed. I know people like to call loved ones or ancestors or whatever, they're angels. You can, but that's not what they are. I, by the way, a few years ago, didn't believe in angels. I thought they were like a man-made construct. And then I was working um, with another intuitive and I was like, my body started shaking and I felt like over this overwhelming energy. It was like being literally zapped. Like if you ever pulled out a plug and you get zapped, my body was being zapped and I And I was questioning angels at the time. And this person started laughing at me. I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? She's like, oh, that's an angel. I'm like, okay, I believe in you. You don't have to mess with me like that anymore. So I find the process of uncovering gifts, it's overwhelming because it's overwhelms my senses. It challenges what my beliefs are, the way I thought the world operated. And it's really about surrendering to. I also really think it's important to say that I don't do dark energy, right? I'm not sending curses at people. I'm not, it's not, it's always love. It's always in the highest like form. I I can give an example of other information that I get and maybe a way that's tangible for you. So an example of how I can receive information, I have a client who went on vacation and she posted a picture, um, like they were in Hawaii, on Hawaii, really, really happy. And I knew immediately she was really sick. And she's a young woman in her thirties and she had battled cancer before And I knew she was riddled with it. And it was an awful phone call to have to make. I waited till she got back. But I called that person and I said, I'm really sorry. But I felt it in my breast. I felt exactly where it was in her body. And I knew it was super aggressive. She immediately went to the doctor and had to do everything, double mastectomy, radiation, everything, everything. And um, she survived and I'm thrilled about it. But Like, you know, I somehow, I just, I couldn't let her wait any longer, right? It was like such an urgency to help her 
with that. And on the really good news side with the same person was I told her, I was like, you're about to fall in love and it's going to happen super fast. And I'm really excited for you because, you know, she had such a hard time and she did. She's, you know, she's already moved in with the guy. So it's those messages, you know, when I get information like that, it's hard to relate it. I don't want to hurt you or scare you or whatever, but I want better. So like, that's one way that I can like share information. Yeah, that's interesting. And speaking of the logical, the structure, there's a a component of this book that I, um, clearly resonated with, and that is you have a nice table of contents. You ask these <laughs> great questions. It's easy to kind of flip through and go pick out different parts to read. And this can kind of lead into our reading here because uh, you, you use your content uh, title for your chapters uh, as questions. You know, what do you want to be? What are you afraid of? What about your friends? What are your family values and pathology, et cetera, et cetera? We're going to focus now on the reading on uh, a little section from the chapter on what are you afraid of? And then we'll come back and talk about fear. But um, if you want to read the section starting with what frightens you, uh, Mm -hmm. that'd be great. Super. Thank you for reading. I love that my book is being received by someone who I know that it's out of their normal (laughs) realm. That was really, it was hard for me to do that because I wanted to, to be palatable and digestible in small bits, right? This it's meant to help you not hurt you. So, okay. So what frightens you? As a child, you may have been frightened of the dark. The unknown and unseen may have set off anxiety in your body. Where others felt a rush, you may have felt terror. I was deathly afraid of the dark. Looking back, I believe it's because I saw things in the darkness, felt the presence of other beings, and had gifts I didn't know how to explain. It didn't help that I didn't have anyone to help me explain what was going on inside me. I will never forget the feeling of wondering what's hiding in the dark. As a student, I always was afraid of doing poorly in school. I overachieved. I did everything I could to achieve an A average. My mother said she didn't have to pressure me about school because I did it all myself. When I started to work, I was afraid of making mistakes, as if the error would land me inside an Iron Maiden, tortured or fired. I believed mistakes defined me as less than, and I was always proving myself to the outside world while secretly thinking I didn't measure up in my inner world. All of those fears stopped me from exploring myself for a time. Each fear festered inside me, keeping me from reaching for the stars. I see many people who are afraid of change. They're scared to feel their feelings for fear that moving through emotions will destroy the carefully constructed image and persona they've crafted. People are afraid of hurting other people or being a disappointment. We fear rejection, and many of us fear being alone, even if the relationship is toxic and unhealthy. Fear is an anxiety-producing and an all-stop for most people I meet. Clients come in unhappy and dissatisfied, and some come in with rage while others harbor enormous grief. Fear keeps them stuck because most people would rather stay in a situation they know than one they don't. People lean on coping mechanisms instead of leaning forward and breaking through. 
Fear is no joke. I'm not being flippant or dismissive, but I know from experience that nothing good comes from living a life filled with fear. I do my best to face and conquer my fears. Zip lining made me face my fear of heights. This fear can manipulate my mind and body. Heights involuntarily cause me severe vertigo. I become convinced I'm going to fall. Then my body shakes and I cry and sweat. Vertigo distorts my vision, makes objects swirl, and the ground moves from low to high, literally making me lose my balance. Panic sweeps through my physical body, making my armpits sweat with the stink of fear. All the while, my hands get sweaty, I become nauseated, and I'm sure I will fall to my death. Now, I know this sounds dramatic, but it's all real for me. I'm afraid of driving over bridges and have to be on the middle lane, so those same involuntary reactions don't overcome my ability to steer the car. Snakes freak me out, and so do spiders, although I'm not afraid of spiders in the house, and I'm the one who catches them in a cup and flings them outside where they belong. My favorite definition of fear is this, false evidence appearing real. Fear is tricky. It can disguise its voice inside your head. Holly's healing tip, don't let fear rule your life. Yeah, thank you for that, Holly. I, I, I pulled that section out because I think that is a, it, it is something that uh, we all deal with, uh, whether it's in a career, whether it's in trying something new, whether it's trying to become an author if you've never been one, all kinds of things that... Uh, Fear gets in the way. I love the spiders and snakes. I think there was a song in the 70s. I don't like spiders and snakes, but that doesn't mean I don't love you or something. I don't remember what it was. But uh, anyway, um, on this topic of fear, um, I'm I'm curious uh, because, you know, fear is this instinct sometimes that is there for a good reason. It's there to protect, you know, a healthy fear of heights means you're going to not walk off the the edge of the mm. you know, of the mountain. And yet, you know, an unhealthy fear means you won't even get up close enough to see the beautiful view. So how do you balance the the healthy fear with the destructive fear? Ooh, oh my God, I want to talk to you all day long. I think <laughs> for me, a client's unhealthy fear leaves them in a state of perpetual unhappiness right? So a healthy fear, like don't stick your hand in the fire, means you're protecting yourself, becomes unhealthy when it's stopping you from doing everything and leaving you in a place of doing what you know, although what you know isn't working for you, right? I think as writers, people, you face a fear of, is this any good? I hope my story lands. Will I get an agent? All those other like things that come into the process of being a writer, um, I I just talked about my fear of heights because it was stopping me from doing a lot because my vertigo is insane. Um, And it's very hard to explain to someone (laughs) that you think the world is moving when it isn't. You know, I'm I'm, uh, special enough without that on top of it. Um, But the minute I let go and like went down that zip line, I also felt freedom and it opened my senses and it, it let me experience something new. And I think... Um, as we get a little older as a person who's, you know, past halfway here myself, we stop doing new things, Mm. right? We stop having fun. And I think 
fear of embarrassing myself. I shouldn't do that. I should have outgrown that. It's a lot of story, right? I also like to say that people have like these emotional stories and although they're very real and they're true and they're honest for the person, they also might be holding them back and keeping them from the very things that they want and dream of. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Now, Let's focus on the title then of the book, Real Not Perfect, How to Become Your Happy, Authentic Self. Uh, Holly, what does it mean to find your authentic self? Yeah, I think that means defining yourself in your own terms. And those words can't be negative. Right. I think mm-hmm. part of my book, it goes from like, what is what are your family obligations? How does your family define you? How do your friends define you? And then how would you define you? I, I, I like to also say to people like you don't play with the same toys at eight that you did at four. You don't like the same things when you're 16 from eight. I think your 20s should be a time of exploration, of defining who you are on your own. Then you get to kind of master it a bit, maybe fail a few times, right, as you proceed through life. And so I think a person has all the space to evolve and try new things and be new things. And it's okay to redefine yourself, right? Sometimes it's career change. Sometimes it's marriage, divorce, it's parenthood. It's all sorts of things. It's life. You're left, you live through a mm. pandemic. How are you different and how do mm. you want to be? And do you want to change anything? I think that's being authentic, that you don't have to be one thing and it doesn't, your hair can be messed up and your clothes aren't always perfect and the laundry's not always folded and that's okay. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad, to, I'm glad to know that's okay. Uh, so, so, um, Speaking of the book and how it helps people get there, you use several techniques. You you use pros and these Holly's healing tips like you had in the reading. You also offer guided meditation on various topics. And then you go through this uh, uh, tactic of asking questions and having the reader write down their answers. Um, I, I have never been able, Holly, to sit still for very long <laughs> and do nothing. You know, I mean, I'm either reading, writing, I'm, I'm out doing something. Uh, and I have a hard time sitting still and meditating. So any tips for people like me who who there's probably value in this meditation thing because you put it in all the chapters here. So I know it's got to be valuable. <laughs> but but what about people like me? OK, so that's monkey brain. And I'm, yeah. I used to be type A plus and now I like to say I'm yeah. an A minus personality. Okay. Um, so even though I'm woo woo, I'm driven. I have to do this to do list. I like ticking off boxes. I set goals and I meet them or not having a goal is like, I, I couldn't live like that. That's not, doesn't work mm-hmm. for me. So for people who I also like to say, I'm not sitting on top of the mountain saying, Oh, I can't meditate like that either. I think meditation for different people, it just means being singularly focused. So let's say you go to the golf range and you get a bucket of balls. What are you thinking about? Your breath and your swing. Ta-da, meditation. Now, if you're working on a specific thing that might take a, you know, then that's the meditation, your chip, your whatever, right? Like, am I drawing back? Is my, like, whatever that is, it's a breath work. So I think you can be in a meditative state almost doing practically anything as long as you're not plugged into your phone. <laughs> like I, I really think devices need to be gone. You can garden and be meditating because you're digging a hole, you're touching the earth. It's just singular focus. Yeah. So I do a lot of fly fishing and I, I, I was up this week and uh, went out and did it and it was, it was very relaxing for me. It's also, uh, you're very concentrated too, because you're watching the water, you're watching, you know, what you're doing. But, uh, 
Is that part of it? You said singular focus. Yeah, that is what we call being present, right? You're, you see the water, you know, what's moving, you see the shadow, you know, you can't see my hands now, but I'm doing the fly fishing, like a river runs through it, right? Right, right. That that is a rhythm. You're in a breath, you're in nature, you're connected a hundred percent. I a hundred percent think that is the type of meditation. I also think, you know, like in the beginning of the book, I give like, it's like a one minute meditation. Like, it's okay. You can fail. I'm not judging you, but this is the start of it just to get a little quiet. And mm-hmm. if your way is fishing, you're very outdoorsy, right? So like you, mm-hmm. I feel like you notice things in the trees as well, right? Like, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on around you. So a hundred percent, I, I, I'm going to call that meditation. Okay, good. Well, I'm good. I've checked one out of three. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's do, I'm looking at the book cover, Holly, and, uh, you know, you've got a, it's a picture of you. You got your hand on your hair pulled back. You're smiling. Uh, it looks like you're having a great time, but I know then reading this book that there's a lot of pain hidden Mm -hmm. behind that smile. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, that pain and how you work through it to get to the point where you are now? Yeah. So, um, I love that picture because my eyes aren't all the way open or closed, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like the realness, not the perfect. I didn't airbrush my face. Um, I I think I share my stories in this book about my trauma. So some of my traumas are my father is an alcoholic. Um, He's sober now, but that's okay. And so that's good. But um, he wasn't for most of my life. And I was a victim of assault, sexual assault at 15. I lost my home to a fire at 17. I lost my home again at 23. And then I had a very um, emotionally abusive starter marriage. And um, I got divorced at 28. That's a lot of intensity um, in my life. And I think that it's very easy to let the worst moments of your life define you if you want. Like I could get into self-pity. It's not fair. It's not this, but I, that has not been my mindset. What really the magic moment in my life that really helped me get through it all was I was, a I shoved it down. I shoved it down with food. I shoved it down with being, um, an overachiever at work. Right. So no one would know what was going on. I dressed a certain way. Like I had all those masks on, right. I still, was fundamentally who I am, but I was just younger and hurt. And one day at work, a woman who I hired, I like to say, came up to me and she said, Holly, do you know that like every day at three o'clock you cry? And it pissed me off. Like, first of all, I also didn't know I was angry. It was an emotion my dad owned. So I was like, I don't know. I looked at her like she was nuts. She's like, no, really every day at three, you cry. And like, she handed me her therapist card and I was like insulted Mm. in every way. And that day at three o'clock, I literally walked into the bathroom and I saw that I was crying and I had no awareness. I had no awareness that at that time of day, I fell apart. Um, And it was that unraveling of all of my stories and all of my pain and letting it go and realizing I didn't have to do it on my own, that asking for help or getting help wasn't a burden to anyone who really loved me. Like that was my magic moment. So even though I had intuitive gifts, I wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. I was in an industry that didn't really value that like film and TV. They don't really value those things. So, um, Mm -hmm. so that was my magic thing. And then just, uh, you know, a little at a time. Yeah. 
Well, that that's uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. I know that that was uh, a struggle for you. Um, and, and as as we work through, um, you know, as we move to the writing life segment here, uh, I, I'm curious as to um, when it was, Holly, that you felt like you could call yourself a writer. Ooh. So this is this is the coolest question. All I've ever wanted to do, ever was write. I have been writing since I was a little kid. Um, funny enough, the things that survived the fire and the earthquake were my old journals and stories. Uh, I, I just, the, the irony, and my mom, I like to caveat this. My mom does not remember saying this to me, but I sure remember hearing it, which was, how do you make a living as a writer? Like she didn't understand how I could possibly do that. Now the irony is she's an artist. Okay, people, she's a really talented artist. The, the, the reason I'm laughing here is that that's the question that uh, I fell into as a parent, thinking I knew, you know, I was looking after the best interests of my kid, and that, and that all parents tend to fall into sometimes when when their children tell them, "Well, I'm going to go do this." Well, how are you going to make a living doing that? You know, and and having a liberal arts education, people would always ask me, "What are you going to do with that?" You know, well, there are a lot of things you can do with a liberal arts education, but you know, it, it's a knee jerk kind of reaction sometimes. Uh, you know, particularly as a parent to say, "Well, uh, you know, you're not going to be a movie star. What, what are you going to do with you know film school?" You know, so. I almost think sometimes we just need to, you know, the, the the adults need to grow up. We need to learn from the kids. We need to go back to that imaginary time in our lives and just say, yeah, anything's possible, right? I say that all the time when people ask me about writing. So like what? I went to school for journalism, right? Which yeah. let's not even touch that topic, yeah. right? In the today's right, world. Right. But I right. studied journalism and all in journalism, all of my professors told me you should really be in lit. And I was like, you're wrong. <laughs> they were right. Yeah. Um, but I was a very much, I'll prove to you that I could do it. Right. Um, yeah. I got in when I went, moved to LA and I was all around these, cre these amazingly creative people. I didn't own my own creativity. I was surrounding myself with people who I thought knew more than me, but actually what I was doing is giving all my ideas away and watching other people take credit for it. So I got to the point where I was like, no, but I'm not good at that craft anymore. And so I just started taking classes at UCLA extensions at night. And then I just found some amazing mentor writers who really inspired me. And then I just kept writing. And then I was like, I could never write a book. And then I was like, well, if you write a bunch of short stories in your head, which was each chapter, like the first book I read, I was like, oh my God, I, I can write a book. Look, I did it. I wrote a book. So I like to tell people like, don't think about all the things that are going against you. Just do it. Right. Cause yeah. if you know too much, like right now I know a little too much. Right. So yeah, yeah. it, it holds you back. Like filmmakers, they don't know about permits, SAG, director's guild, producer's guild. They don't need extras. I need parking. I need permits. Like if I watch a movie, I could tell you everything my producer's brain sees. Mm. Well, how does that help you make your dream come true? It doesn't. So shut that part up. It's worse than your internal editor. It's worse. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. go for it. I mean, how many success stories do we love uh, hearing about and watching on TV and listening to on the radio where somebody's, you know, mentor or parents told them you can never be that. And then they go to become the best that they could be, you know, so that's really, really great. Hey, uh, you know, I could talk all day here, but I got one final question on the okay. writing life and then we'll jump. So if you could tell your younger writing self something of value that had you known it when you got started with that thing called writing that you know now, what would it be? I believe in you. That's yeah. what I would tell her. 
I believe yeah. in you. Yeah. That's good. Hey, being a lawyer here, one disclaimer, I'll share it because you shared it in the book. Uh, you mentioned, Holly, that, uh, you know, you don't, you know, cure depression, that you do believe in uh, uh, the, the medical world mm -hmm. and, 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 and when people are suffering to deal with uh, sometimes even uh, medications that can help uh, folks and that you're, you know, you, you don't do some of the things that other therapists do. So this is just one way in uh, for people. It's not, uh, you know, medicine is more of a holistic. There are a lot of pieces to it. Did I get that right in the disclaimer? A hundred percent. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, look, we're gonna, listeners, we're going to jump over to uh, Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how you write that nonfiction book, how you self-publish it, uh, and, uh, you know, just have fun doing it. Uh, so join us there and go to our show notes at charlotteradierspodcast.com and you'll find uh, photographs, uh, the book cover, links, and information about Holly. Uh, so check it out. And Holly, thank you so much for being a part of Charlotte Readers Podcast. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our author's voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.